0: father thank you that you're here thank you that we can worship you extravagantly And thank you, Lord, that there is reason to celebrate in every season. So, Lord, you've already been at work among us. You are ministering to people. You are bringing hope where hope was not. And you are lifting burdens, and I thank you for that. And I just ask that you would continue as I speak, Lord, that you would be anointing words, that you would be speaking to hearts, even things that I miss. that you would be just coming close to people, and that we would all walk out of here uh, closer to your image than we were when we came in. So thank you, Father, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I was born into a car family. Um, I... You know, first service, it didn't seem like a lot of people were born into car families like me. I think that's because most of them are in the South, (laughs) the ones that watch NASCAR (laughs) and get into racing. Um, But apparently, it's a little genetic because we have at least one daughter who loves cars, and she can tell me, like, 20 miles down the road what kind of car is coming. And I thought she was making it up at first, um, until I started paying attention and realized that she was right. And so apparently there's a genetic component to this. Um, <laughs> but my dad loves cars. I have an uncle that owns an auto shop and he and his sons um, have all raced cars. Um, and so you know, my family gets together, that, that side of the family um, for the Daytona 500 every year. Um, even for those of us who aren't into cars, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, But my dad, you know, he used to try to get me to be more excited about cars, and it never worked. (laughs) Sorry, Dad. Um, He tried to teach me, you know, like, basics about car maintenance and just, like, how to fix cars, and I always thought, why, like, would I do that? Because I have your phone number. (laughs) (laughs) right and I have all these cousins and an uncle that also will rescue me Um, and then I married a man who can fix cars as well so I have spent my whole life pretty insulated from that I'm very thankful for Um, but the first car I ever purchased it wasn't the first car I owned but it was the first car that I purchased with my own money I still remember with fondness in my heart It was the first time that I was going to be actually being the one to make the decision about what kind of car I was going to be driving. So as a young adult, there was going to be um, a car auction out at Canterbury that I knew was happening. I was in need of a good vehicle. Um, and so I began researching what kind of car would be good. You know, what kind of cars would I would be able to afford. I wanted a car that had good gas mileage, which I laugh at because that was when gas was like a dollar a gallon. Um, <laughs> but I had these this criteria for what I wanted. And so my dad went out to the auction site with me. Um, But I chose the car, I talked to somebody, like I did all of it, and then he was gracious enough to co-sign with me. But I purchased this 1995, I believe, blue Corolla. Yeah, it's as beautiful as you think. (laughs) It just looks like a car. But when I bought it, it was the most beautiful vehicle that I had ever seen. And the reason for this is because it was the most I had ever invested in a vehicle. Like, I had put time into it. I looked carefully. You know, I researched. I looked carefully at all the options. You know, this was the one. I put my finances into it, which was a big deal. You know, I kept this car really clean until I got married. But we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) I loved this car, but the value it held for me was far beyond what it was actually worth because of what I had invested in it. You know, this is how life works. <laughs> the more that you are willing to pay for something, the more value that it has. And I don't mean just finances. You know, this is why I love vacations. Our family goes on road trips, Um Yearly, pretty much, and I love them. And part of the reason that I love them, I mean, obviously, I love the just adventure of it. I love getting away and just having that time with our family. We often go to um, national parks, so I love those, you know, and just the beauty. But whatever type of vacation it is, I love it. And I realize that it's because I invest a lot in a trip. It takes a long time to plan, it takes a long time to figure out the finances. We're a family of 10, so we have to figure out some sort of lodging, <laughs> you know, that will fit all of us. Like there is a lot that goes into it, and if you've ever packed for a family of 10, you know that the packing itself is quite, you know, a investment as well. And then when you come home, you have to unpack, and somehow it's worse but i love it so much and what i've realized is that it isn't just the experience of the trip but it's how invested i am i put so much blood sweat and tears into our trips and finances and all of the rest of it that i'm so fully invested that i'm going to absorb all of it i'm going to be fully present i'm going to be thankful for the opportunity i'm going to store away the memories to come back to when my kids are grown like i am fully invested in this experience and because of that it has great value to me and it's far beyond monetary value all of us have things like this in our life I don't know what it is for you I don't know what relationships it might be I don't know what hobbies or maybe your career but we all have things that are worth value beyond what somebody else would understand because it's something that we put in personally Because we invested it. And the more we invest in something, the more value that it holds for us. Do you know why people are so valuable? You know, we were all created in the image of God. Like, it's this amazing, wondrous thing that I don't think we can fully wrap our minds around. That the God of the universe said, hey, I'm going to create You know something that's in my image but when he created adam and eve you know it's the only time in all of creation that it says it was in the image of god right that's an amazing thing so we all have inherent value because we were created in the image of the uncreated god like that gives us value but in the same breath as we realize that, I could point out that we also have marred that value because of sin. All of us carry the effects of sin, sin from other people, you know, sin of our own choices. We all have sin, and it all, all of us have marks from it that you would think would lower our value because the original design is no longer completely intact, Right, I promise this is going to get happier. (laughs) But we all carry the baggage of sin. If you don't know that you do, you should ask someone close to you, and they will point out all the baggage that you carry. It will be great. (laughs) But it's not actually bad news, because sin actually increased our value. Now, I'm not saying that we should go sin so that our value keeps going up. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, so don't misunderstand. <laughs> because it's not the sin itself, but it's what happened after. You know, it's amazing to me. Think about this. God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve's sin. You know, the enemy is thinking that he has won the final victory over the Lord, that there's no way back. And yet God was not thrown off even a little bit. In fact, he had had a plan the entire time, right? And... God takes this moment, this tragedy, this time when the earth which had been perfect and people who had been completely in his image and now that has all been seemingly destroyed and he takes that moment for the greatest victory of all and he actually increases our value in that moment and the way he does it is because he chooses to pay for our sins with his son. He makes an investment in us that I will never be able to understand. He looks at us and he goes you had value before but now I am going to give my only son's life for you. And so sin did not, you know, finish us off. It wasn't the great victory that the enemy had envisioned, but instead it increased our value. Because our value is now attached to the blood of Jesus. This is an amazing thing. You know, Romans 5.8 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 1.18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God created us and he paid for us and redeemed us with the priceless blood of his own son. Blood that will never diminish in value at all. You know, the Corolla that I bought, it's not worth much today. I know this, because it was not worth much when we sold it. (laughs) After, After I bought that car, I got married not too long after, and we ended up living in Germany. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Toyota Corollas are not designed for the Audubon. So if you want to keep it in pristine condition, I suggest not living in Germany and You know, having lots of people pile into it with all their gear for snowboarding trips. On the Autobahn, I'm just saying. But that's a different story. (laughs) So the things that we have, everything on earth diminishes with value over time. Except for the things of eternal value. You know, our relationships, what we invest in people, what we invest in our relationship with the Lord. Those things never diminish. And the reason is because they're connected to the blood of Jesus which is priceless, which is costly beyond what anything we can imagine. So our response to this, when we come to know this, and I don't mean enter into an intellectual faith. I spent a lot of my life with an intellectual faith and I don't know when it is that I actually came to really know Jesus. You know, I know that he smiled upon my faith when I was young. I know he was with me. I know there was a genuine journey, so I'm not trying to diminish any of that. But when I was younger, my response was religious in nature. You don't encounter a love like that and respond with, I'm going to do a Bible study every week. I'm going to pray 10 times a day. I'm going to make sure I come to church. Like, there is something about the love of Jesus, understanding the cost that the Father paid for you because he loves you. There's something about when you come to know that, that there is no response except for to love him back, to run into his arms. Because it is a passionate thing. It is something that you can't understand completely intellectually. It goes beyond that. There is a spiritual thing that happens. <laughs> when we worship, we worship the Lord because he's worthy. Like, hands down, there's, that's the whole reason to worship. But when you come into his presence you can't help but encounter his goodness and his love. And it changes you, and it pulls you to him. So when you know the price that God paid, there is no response except for to run into his arms. And it's a tragedy if we misunderstand. And instead, we enter into a religious arrangement. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. And you know, everything Jesus did reflected the Father. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around this, and I will try not to dwell on it too long, but I have a son. It would not give me any joy to do what the Father did. but it was for joy that Jesus endured the cross. And it's because the Lord loves you so much that when he looks at you, his response is just pure love. His response to redeeming you was to give the spotless lamb of God on your behalf. That's an amazing thing. And he does that for free. Romans 6, 23 says, "'For the wages of sin is death, "'but the free gift of God is eternal life "'in Christ Jesus our Lord.'" This is a free gift that we all get to enter into, salvation. It costs us nothing. We don't have to do anything to receive salvation except receive it. You know, when Jesus died, there were two men that hung next to him, and one of them received salvation. Like, one of them is in heaven now, so we know that there is nothing we actually have to do. That person didn't have the opportunity to make anything right, You know, they weren't able to change their ways and live a better life, but they received salvation because of the belief in that moment, because they reached out to Jesus in that moment. So we know that salvation is free, that it doesn't cost us anything, that it costs Jesus everything, (laughs) right? There's no cost to salvation, but I'm here to tell you today that there is a price to following Jesus. And that the more you invest, (laughs) the more value it's going to have for you. If you are bored as a Christian, I want to tell you that it's because you're not doing it right. (laughs) You know, if you're bored in anything in life, you can pretty much bet that it's because you've become disengaged. Because you're not investing You know, the times that motherhood becomes hard for me to carry are the times when I am the least engaged in it, the times when I get distracted by other things, and I'm trying to accomplish something over here, and then all of a sudden laundry feels hard. But you know what? When I'm fully engaged, like, I don't know if I could say laundry's a joy, But there is a joy to serving my family. There is a joy to being fully present, to being engaged. Because the more I invest in something or someone, the more value it has. And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. Salvation is free, but if it has cost you nothing to be a Christian, then you're not doing it right. Luke 9, 23-25 says... And he was saying to them all, so this is Jesus talking, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Salvation is free, but following Jesus is not. It comes at great cost. When we follow Jesus, it requires us to lay down our lives to follow him. And there is an important key to it. Okay, are you ready? It's really deep. Okay, following Jesus requires you to follow him. hmm right? Okay, now, this seems so easy. Well, yes, following Jesus, we follow him. But it's not easy at all. It requires you to lay down your life daily, to go where he is leading. It requires you to be humble. It requires you to stay connected and to stay on the journey and to be willing to lay down the things that you pick up without even realizing it as you go. You know, I sometimes wonder how often I'm like Peter. You know, Peter, the disciple, I love that guy. He was bold and brash, and he made mistakes, and they're recorded for all of us to read and dissect. (laughs) Poor Peter. But Peter (laughs) makes me feel good about myself. Like, he didn't always get it right, but he was an amazing man who walked with Jesus and ends up giving his life for the sake of Christ. But Peter has this moment before the, you know, before Jesus is crucified, there's times in scriptures where it says he would tell the disciples plainly what was about to happen, but yet nobody understood You know, people were still taken aback. They didn't understand. I go, okay, that means I'm in good company because Jesus tells me things plainly all the time. And I go, what? (laughs) What? Like, I don't understand. But he would tell them plainly what was about to happen, and they didn't understand. And Peter has this moment with Jesus in Luke 22, starting in verse 31. And Jesus is talking to him, and he says, Simon, Simon... Behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Okay, this is not a good word for Jesus to say to you. When you've turned again, like, you're going to go through this process and you're going to fail. But when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Right? And then... (laughs) Peter's response is, Lord, with you, I'm ready to go to both prison and to death. And Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. And it's true. This is what happens. You know, Peter denies Jesus three times. And after he turns back, after he's restored, when Jesus is resurrected, he does go and he strengthens his brothers. But this is the thing. Peter wasn't wrong when he said, I'm ready to go to prison and even death with you. He was willing. (laughs) He was the one who's going to fight them with the sword when they come to get Jesus. Peter is willing to fight. And I think he would have gone to prison. I think he would have gone to death. In fact, he later does both for Jesus. But you know what he wasn't ready to do? He wasn't ready to follow where Jesus was actually going. Jesus was asking Peter to follow him to the cross, to stand by while he's put to death. Jesus is inviting Peter into something entirely different than Peter had envisioned, and he was not able to do that. (laughs) When Jesus asks us to follow him, we can't presume to know where it's going to lead. I think a lot of us are ready to follow Jesus into battle. It's a lot harder to follow Jesus into death. Following Jesus for Peter meant that he would watch as Jesus gave his life on the cross and he would stand by and he would not fight. Jesus follows ways that are not ours. And when we follow him, we will often be uncomfortable. We will be doing things that were unexpected. (laughs) We will not understand completely what's happening. (laughs) But that's the point in following him, is that he's going to lead us into places we couldn't go otherwise. You know, if Jesus just wanted us to follow a religious structure, then he would just give us the structure to follow and let us be on our way. But that's not what he asked us to do. He asked us to follow him, to every day lay down our lives, to go where he goes. I don't know where Jesus is gonna lead you as you follow him. You don't know where he's gonna lead you. It's impossible to. And if he told you the places and plans he had for you, you'd die. (laughs) Like, and not just in a good way. (laughs) Right? Because we just don't understand. We can't. We don't see the whole picture. You know? And so this is why. It's a gift that he doesn't tell us everything. But instead, he leads us every day to follow him. And eventually, we get to where we're going to be, where we're supposed to be. I don't know exactly where he's following you to, but I know that there is something that will always prove that you are following him, that you're on the right track, that you are his disciple, and you're, <laughs> you're going the right way. And it's that when you follow Jesus, it always leads to love. This is how you know you're following him. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Proverbs twenty-one three, to do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you. How do you know you are following Jesus, that you're on the right track? <laughs> you're growing in love. You're growing in love for the Lord and you're growing in love for people. It's a fallacy to think that we can be at war with our brothers and love God and be following him. (laughs) You know, Jesus laid down his life on the cross, and then he commanded us to lay our lives down too. And I don't know (laughs) that we don't get confused sometimes what that looks like. So, I want to just remind you gently today that love is costly, that you can't actually love someone you're not willing to invest in, that you can't love God or believe that you, you know, love him and not actually be willing to invest in a costly way into your relationship with him. You know, if you're bored in Christianity, if Christianity is just church to you, then it's probably time for you to begin to invest, to start seeking him, to start spending time after, seeking after the things that he is after, right? It's time for you to give up some comfort and to begin to pursue him in a new way. It's time for you to begin to follow him every day. You know, not that long ago, I had this, like, epiphany, which was really dumb because I have learned it a long time ago. But it was, you know, sometimes anyone else have to learn the same lesson 27 times. You know, right? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Jamie, my husband's amazing. Um, yeah. You guys can cheer for him. hmm And he has awesome testimonies. He shares them sometimes with you guys, but he has a lot more than what he shares. And a lot of them come out of these simple moments of his connection with the Lord. Because he'll get up in the morning and he'll connect with the Lord, obviously, just to connect with the Lord. But also he'll, on purpose, like, seek opportunity to do what the Lord's doing, or to minister to other people. And so there was this period of time where like every day he was like having a dream. He was having like words of knowledge. He was having all these incredible testimonies, you know, like he would be praying and something would come on his heart for somebody and he'd start praying for that. And he'd reach out to them later and find out things that he never could have known, you know, and like, it was just amazing. And And I was thinking, man, that's so awesome. I wish I had that happen more often. And then one day it was like, well, maybe, (laughs) maybe if I invested in seeking after that more, it would happen. Like maybe if I just stopped waiting for the Lord to pursue me (laughs) and I started pursuing him a little more like, I'd have more testimonies. (laughs) Like, right? I I feel like more people should be like, duh, (laughs) okay? (laughs) So if this is news for you, if you have ever thought, why does somebody else have a more exciting relationship with the Lord? It's probably because they're investing a lot more than you, and you have the opportunity to begin to invest, and then you're going to have the amazing testimonies, too. Because when you follow Jesus, not only are you going to have encounters with the Lord as he leads you into love, (laughs) into loving encounters with the Lord, with his Father, but you are going to be led into love for other people. And love is not something that is intangible. Like, love is a real thing, and it requires you to take different action. It requires you to behave with love. It requires much from you. Love is costly. It's unselfish. Love does things God's ways instead of yours. (laughs) Love forfeits gain on earth for spiritual reasons just because you love the Lord and you love people. Love requires you to lay your life down for someone else so that when they demand something of you, you don't just grudgingly give it to them, but you actually give them more than what they were asking for. This is love. Love means that you're patient, that you're purposely kind to people. It means that you are willing to go without so that someone else can have. Love means that when you see someone in need, that your heart is actually turned in compassion, for them that you're not judging how or why they got there but instead you have a genuine love a genuine care you are crying out to the lord on their behalf you are looking for tangible things that you can do to minister and help and offer things to them this is what love looks like and when you follow jesus (laughs) you are going to learn to love So I'm going to close right now. This is really an encouraging word, so I don't know if it's coming out that way, but I want your heart to feel excited because this is the thing. Your life is going to be demanded of you. It's going to be. You might not realize it. You might think you can skate by before you have to face this. But one day, your life is going to be demanded of you, and you are going to have to give an account for it. And we all get to enter salvation freely. We all can be like the thief on the cross who still enters into paradise, but does so as one escaping the flames. Right, We all have the opportunity to do that. And how glorious and amazing, by the way, that we have the opportunity to do that because we have a God good enough to offer us salvation freely. (laughs) But we're all going to have our life demanded of us. And it would be so much better for us (laughs) to have already given it, to have already laid it down for the sake of following Jesus. Because it's impossible (laughs) to keep your life and to follow him. It's impossible to keep your life and actually learn how to love. And this is a season where the Lord is bringing us into a place where we're actually learning how to love like he is. And that's really good news. So if you guys could stand. I'm going to pray over us. You know, this last season, however long it has been, it's been so destructive because of the division. Because there's been so many reasons to have judgment and offense, because there's been so many things to fight for, not realizing that when you're fighting for something, you're actually fighting against others. You know, and I'm not even talking about, you know, fighting with the world. I'm talking about the church fighting with itself. You know, it's so destructive because we can't actually be following Jesus when we're not in love towards others. It's impossible. And I think that in this day, the Lord's teaching us how to be like Peter, how to follow him, not just when there's a battle. that we're passionate about, but how to follow him in love as he lays his life down for our enemies and teaches us how to do the same. And this is really good news because when we love this way, who knows what can happen? (laughs) So Father, I just come before you and I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the free gift of your salvation. I thank you, Lord, that following you is the only way (laughs) to enter into true life. Lord, that when we follow you, that you take our dirty rags and you give us the garment of salvation. You give us a wedding garment. You give us hope where there was hopelessness. Like You give us so much more than we could possibly offer that anything that costs us, Lord, it pales in comparison by what we receive. But Lord, I ask, first of all, that you would just speak to all of us and you would show us anything that we're holding on to that we need to lay down to follow you, that you would give us the courage and grace to do so. And Lord, I ask that you would make us a people of love. That we would not be people who are satisfied with cheap love. But that we would offer costly love. That our worship would come from a place of pure love for you, Father. That it would be cultivated in the secret place as we pursue you no matter what cost, Father. That we would sacrifice so that we could know you more. And Lord, I pray that you would make us a people that genuinely love others, that we would love each other in such a way that we would gladly lay our lives down for one another. Lord, I pray that you would give us the opportunity to love like you, and that as we do, that we would see your kingdom advanced, that we would see people saved, healed, set free, delivered. Father, I pray that there would be no more enemies, that there would be no more divisions or camps, but that we would all just follow you together with love. So thank you, Father, and I thank you for these people that love you so well, the people that are so precious to you, that you didn't just create them, but that you redeemed them at great cost. And Lord, I pray that you would this week bring them into fresh encounters with your love that they would be transformed by it, that they would be blessed by it, that they would be healed by it. Lord, I just thank you that you're with them and just ask that you would bless them richly this week and in all the days to come. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.